Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. Training camps are underway. The news is already starting to pick up. So guess what? So are our episodes. We're going to try to cram as much in as possible every single week. And that's what we're going to do today. I'll compare it to some of my favorite meals. You know, they're not just the ones where you have one big dish. Sure, steak is great. But sometimes I prefer when there's several smaller dishes, you got a bunch of options, you could try so many different things, give me the variety. That's what we're going to do today. Start off with a little bit of news, then I'm going to talk about some of the takeaways I had when I did my recent update to my projections. I've been publishing those over the last couple weeks. Then I want to talk about the FFPC Pros versus Joe's draft that I did this week. I'm going to recap my team from that. And then we'll round things out with some of the position groups that I'm avoiding from specific teams this year. So let's kick things off with the news. Melvin Gordon is actually holding out. This is what we expected. Chargers training camp has begun. He is not there. Both sides are dug in. That's the report from Yahoo's Charles Robinson. Gordon has fallen to the one-two turn now in my rankings. I wouldn't blame anyone who's gun shy, especially after what happened with Le'Veon Bell last year. For now, I'm still willing to take Gordon in that range, especially if he falls to the mid to late second round, which I've seen him in those spots in some recent drafts. Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, they're gaining value, of course, and I'm going to talk more about them in the projections takeaways section, so stay tuned for that. Taylor Luan of the Titans, their great left tackle. He's facing a four-game ban. He released a, a heartfelt video, said he was unaware that he took any illegal supplements, said he passed a polygraph test to prove it, but he is facing the suspension regardless. It's important for a team that's, they're talking up a run-heavy approach similar to what we saw with Derrick Henry late last season. The Titans had the second best adjusted line yards running to the left end. You can expect that efficiency is going to take a hit over the first month now. It's another reason to be cautious about Derrick Henry and really this entire Titans offense. Hopefully we're going to get a season with a healthy Mariota. Hopefully we can see them actually produce, but there's a lot of options in the passing game now. We don't know how that's going to shake out. Corey Davis has never really been a consistent fantasy option Now we're adding A.J. Brown to that mix. Delaney Walker's coming back healthy. And Henry's a player that I've talked about it before. He doesn't get involved that much in the passing game. So that kind of caps his upside. And if he doesn't have the unbelievable efficiency that he had late last season, and I've talked about that before as well, I think some of that is due to some of the teams he was going against at that point. But if the offensive line takes a hit, so does Henry's value. Gotta be cautious there. I'm not being cautious about drafting Julian Edelman this season, though. Even after news broke that he's going to miss the first three weeks of training camp with a thumb injury, we saw Edelman miss the first four games of 2018 due to suspension, and he picked right back up where he left off as a low-end wide receiver one in PPR leagues. He's a veteran. It doesn't really need training camp as much as like a rookie like Nikhil Harry would. Some of the other receivers on that New England offense definitely do new to the team. So keep drafting Edelman as a top 15 option. He's really all they have at wideout unless they get Josh Gordon reinstated. His teammate, though, I'm growing a little more concerned about Sony Michelle. Michelle's starting camp on the pup list. Now, remember, that's the training camp pup list, so he can be activated anytime. But the more time that Michelle misses, the more we need to bump up James White, 
Damian Harris, even Rex Burkhead, White's a top 25 back in PPR formats already, and that's in part due to the lack of weapons in the receiving core that I talked about earlier. Harris is an excellent high upside pick in the middle rounds, and Burkhead is a dart throw late in drafts. We did get some good news about a few players coming off injury, though. A couple guys who avoided the pup list, Cam Newton, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, they're all going to be eased back in, but the fact that they're good to go for the start of camp is an excellent sign. Cup's the only player on that list who might not be up to speed by week one. I mean, he's returning from a torn ACL, suffered in November. It's a similar situation to Emmanuel Sanders, who's back on the field already. He's doing more than I expected at the beginning of camp here, but he's a 32-year-old wideout recovering from a torn Achilles. So it's great to see the progress, but Let's remember, the risk of re-injury is very high with these guys. They might not be completely up to speed by the start of September. Let's move on to the projections takeaways. Now, I've been releasing the team-by-team projections for the top offensive players over the last couple weeks here. Only two divisions remain, the NFC North, the AFC South. Those are going to come out over the weekend and early next week, but... As I've been going back over my projections and cleaning them up a little bit, to be honest, just so I could publish them, there's some notable items that fantasy managers, I think, should be aware of. Tyler Boyd isn't getting the respect he deserves. A lot of people are acting like the return of A.J. Green is going to do him in in fantasy, but he was really good with A.J. Green on the field last year. He was actually on pace for huge numbers, 98 catches, over 1,200 yards through the first eight games before Green went down. So he's moving up my ranks into that high-end wide receiver three range. Moved him up about five spots or so. And clearly the Bengals agree with me because they just gave him a new contract the other day. Another receiver that I have moving up, we're all a little ageist in the fantasy community. I mean, we have to admit it. We tend to jump off older players before the bottom falls out. Sometimes that happens too early. Larry Fitzgerald's been proving us foolish for the last couple seasons, and he's being undervalued again in PPR leagues. With the expected improvements on that offense, with the new faster tempo, Fitzgerald's a lock for some steady production. You can often get him outside the top 40 receivers, and he's got a shot to crack that wide receiver three range. I also urge anyone who doesn't believe in Damian Williams to go do projections for the Chiefs running backs. That offense is going to produce... Williams faces very little competition in that backfield. Plus, the entire organization, Andy Reid, the general manager, everyone is saying that Williams is the guy. I've moved him into my low-end RB1 ranks. I had him in that high-end RB2 range before. He has a shot to be even better than that. It wouldn't be crazy to see him crack the top five, the top six running backs. We saw what Kareem Hunt could do. Maybe we're going to find out that it's more about that offense itself and less about who the starting running back is in Kansas City. A similar thing could be said about Devonta Freeman. I haven't moved him that high in my rankings. He's not all the way up into that RB1 range. But the only thing standing between him and a monster year is his health. There's no one on that roster that's going to eat into his touches enough to keep him out of the top 20 if he's healthy. And RB1 this season isn't out of the question at all. We've seen him do it before. I mentioned Austin Eckler earlier. Eckler's a decent RB3 flex play in PPR, even if Melvin Gordon is on the field. If Gordon holds out or he misses time with an injury, Eckler vaults up into that RB2 range. 
just don't fool yourself into thinking that he's going to completely replace Gordon as an RB1 in fantasy. Eckler is definitely going to split touches with Justin Jackson if Gordon misses time. So Eckler would be an RB2 in that situation. Jackson would get into the mix as more of a flex play there. In standard leagues, their value would be even a little bit closer. Eckler gets the bump in PPR there. One other name that stood out when I was updating the projections is Tyrell Williams with the Raiders. Antonio Brown is going to command a massive target share. We know that. But after that, who do you expect to get volume in the Raiders passing game? Josh Jacobs out of the backfield? Okay. Darren Waller at tight end? Maybe. There's no one at receiver that I'm really worried about, though. So Williams could approach the 100 target mark. I could see that happen. I'm not projecting him for that, but it is within his range of outcomes. That makes him a very underrated best ball player and someone who I think could sneak into redraft lineups as a high ceiling, low floor, wide receiver three option. The next thing I want to discuss is the FFPC pros versus Joe's draft. I got asked to be one of the pros in this year's competition. Big thanks to Darren Armani. You can find him on Twitter at Fantasy Mojo for setting the whole thing up. It's a 28-round, 12-team best ball league. It's tight end premium, so 1.5 points per reception for tight ends. Puts a little increased importance on that position. Starting rosters are one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, one tight end, two flex, one kicker, and one defense. And we had a great group of drafters, some of the best high-stakes players in the game representing the Joe's side. Definitely some names you're going to recognize out of the pros, like Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys, uh, Dave Richard from CBS, Jared Smola from Draft Sharks, and a bunch more. There's a link to the full draft board on my Twitter feed, but I want to go through some of my picks. I was in the fourth slot. I started out with Ezekiel Elliott. I'm guessing that he fell to me just because of the concerns that he might hold out as well. I guess I'm not as worried as some about Zeke at this point. I think he's in the conversation to be the number one pick overall. So I was happy to take him in the fourth slot here. Then on the way back around in the second round, I took George Kittle and that was the player I was targeting. I had a tough decision because Dalvin Cook also fell to that range and I really like Cook as a value there. But Kittle in this tight end premium has a shot to finish as the number one overall tight end. We saw last year, Kittle broke the record for most receiving yards by our tight end. I know there's going to be a little more target competition for him this year, but he's locked in as one of the top three options. In the third round, I went with Damian Williams. We just talked about him. To get him outside of the top 12 running backs is an excellent, excellent value for him. In the fourth round, needed a receiver, hadn't taken a receiver yet, went with Robert Woods. Anyone who follows my content knows how much I like Woods. He's a top 15 receiver in my books. In the fifth round, one of the players I think is being most disrespected, maybe it's because he's been injured and we didn't see him in OTAs, but Chris Carson down the stretch last year, this is a guy that is a surefire top 20 back. Is he going to split time with Rashad Penny? Yes. Is he playing on one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL? Also, yes, Carson is a guy you can scoop up in the fourth, in the fifth, and just get ready because he has top 10 upside this year. Now, after this, I needed to grab some receivers, and based on the fact that this is a best ball league, I'm more than happy to grab those guys that have the high-end weekly upside. So in the sixth, I took Robbie Anderson. In the seventh, Sammy Watkins. In the eighth, Sterling Shepard, 
Anderson and Watkins, obviously, those are big play threats. Guys are going to put up some monster weeks. Shepard is a guy that I really zeroed in on when I was going back and updating my projections. There's a lot of targets available with Odell Beckham gone in New York. And the more I looked at it, I'm not as confident in Golden Tate stepping up and being the lead receiver there. I think Sterling Shepard has a better chance to do that. Happy to have him as my wide receiver for. In the ninth and 10th, I went back-to-back quarterbacks. Two of my favorites this year, Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston. In the 11th round, another upside wide receiver, Deshaun Jackson. Wait till we get to camp. Wait till we get to the preseason when Deshaun catches a bomb from Carson Wentz, who I also have on my team. Nice little stack there. When that happens, DJax is going to start to rise fantasy draft boards. I'm sure of it. Now remember, tight end premium. So in the 12th, a guy like Chris Herndon falls. He's got that suspension, but I don't need him necessarily for the first four weeks. I have Kittle, who's one of the best options at the position. And then come week five and the rest of the year, I'm going to have Herndon. John Brown in the 13th for me, another upside deep ball threat field stretcher. Love it. Went Gio Bernard in the 14th. I don't understand why Gio Bernard isn't getting more respect. I know people are looking at grabbing guys like Alexander Madison and Carlos Hyde and backups like that. And yet Gio's a guy that every time he's been thrust into the starting lineup has produced RB1, RB2 numbers. One of the most surefire backups in the league when he gets starters snaps. So I've been getting Bernard late in a lot of drafts. In the 15th, continued to grab those receivers that have big play upside. Kenny Stills, really hoping that he gets that slot job in Miami this year, but that's going to depend on what they do with Albert Wilson, how his recovery is going. Still a lot of spots here. There's 28 roster spots, so I'll just skim through the bottom of my roster here. I grabbed Jamal Williams, Bruce Anderson, and Spencer Ware to fill out my running backs. Williams has stepped into that starting role for the Packers before. We know he can produce. Anderson has a chance to carve out a role in that Bucks backfield. I like him just because of the other options there. Peyton Barber doesn't have a ton of upside. Ronald Jones, I've talked about it before. I don't think he's going to bounce back and have a better season in his second year. I think we're looking at him as a bust. So Anderson could sneak into the mix there. I also grabbed Dwayne Haskins in the 24th round, and that one's just, I wanted a third quarterback in a league like this where it's best ball. If an injury happens to one of your two starters, you could be in trouble, and Haskins should get that starting job at some point this season, maybe even in week one. The only other receiver I took was Demarcus Robinson, sort of paired him up with Sammy Watkins. We know Watkins has the health issues Robinson could step up and right now he's the front runner to be the third receiver in the Chiefs offense. I also grabbed Jeff Swaim and Josh Oliver late the Jaguars tight ends tight end premium just hoping that one of those guys is going to be able to emerge with Nick Foles who loves throwing to the tight end. All right speed rounds over let's talk about the position groups that I'm going to be avoiding in fantasy drafts this year and at some price You have to be willing to invest in almost any player, but these are the position groups that are going to be a headache for fantasy owners this season, and I think are best left on the board for another owner to deal with. And at quarterback for me, that starts with the Broncos. Flacco's been a fantasy black hole, and Drew Locke isn't ready to get involved just yet. You can ask his coaches who strangely sewered him at the start of camp, said he's not a quarterback yet, he has a lot to learn. They aren't wrong. It just seems weird to kick him in the teeth when he's a young quarterback just starting his first training camp. 
the Dolphins quarterbacks are on this list as well. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be fun. This team is bound to be behind often, and they're going to need to throw a lot. But the downside of Fitzmagic is weak-crushing, interception-filled outings where he's probably going to end up on the bench at halftime or early in the second half at least. Josh Rosen hasn't showed us anything from his rookie season or even so far in Dolphins practices that it's going to get us excited whatsoever for his fantasy prospects. The Giants quarterbacks, Eli Manning's going to start week one apparently. I'm not sure why. That probably means we're going to have to wait for Daniel Jones until later in the year. Jones has some underrated rushing ability, and it could make him a sneaky start once he takes over. I did take him in the Scott Fishbowl, but there's really no need to invest in this offense. There's so many good options at quarterback. Talked about it before. The quarterback position goes 23-24 deep this season. You don't need to get involved in that Giants uh, quarterback room whatsoever. Same with the Jaguars. Nick Foles had some big game performances, but he's nothing more than a fantasy streamer in Jacksonville, and that's only in good matchups. You should be able to do way better. There's not really any running backs to avoid because we know it's such an opportunity-based position, right? So every backfield is going to have some chance to put up fantasy numbers. The closest to avoid, in my mind, would be the Redskins running backs. You got Darius Geis' injury uncertainty. Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson kind of muddying the touch count there, or maybe the Bills running backs, though I would be willing to toss a chip on Devin Singletary. You got LaShawn McCoy trending in the wrong direction, and Frank Gore's really just a depth piece at this point in his career, but I would still invest in both those backfields. You have to. At running back, you have to. If they're going to get touches, if they're going to get starter snaps, you got to give them a shot on your roster. Wide receiver is kind of similar to running back, but there's a couple teams that I am going to actively avoid in redraft. The Redskins wide receivers are one of them. I hate to pick on the Redskins. I feel like I'm doing this all the time, but this is a group that's just so wide open, such a low ceiling in this passing game too, that I'm not wasting my time. Terry McLaurin has some best ball appeal, college teammates with Haskins, but Josh Doxson and Paul Richardson, they haven't been able to step up when they've been given a chance in the past. And Trey Quinn's really a low volume slot receiver in a low volume passing game as well. The Ravens wideouts, I know everyone's excited about Marquise Brown, but he's still coming off that Liz Frank injury. He's in this offense that we really don't know how much more they're going to pass this season. Willie Sneed won't see enough volume. Miles Boykin needs some time to develop his game. Love him in Dynasty, but in redraft, not really an option. Until we see Lamar Jackson really improve as a passer, and that's something we're going to have to be watching in training camp and into the preseason, until the team trusts him enough to expand his passing attempts, there's no reason to own a Ravens wideout in redraft leagues. The Bills and Jaguars wide receivers aren't far off. Maybe we give them an honorable mention here. They almost made the list. We don't know the pecking order on either team. It could really shake out a number of ways, but guys like John Brown and Dede Westbrook, they offer enough upside that keeps the Bills and the Jags off this list, at least for now. For tight ends, The Patriots tight ends, I know people want to chase the ghost of Gronk, but the Patriots tight ends are a stay away. Unless unless you're spending a final round pick to stash Gronk himself on your bench in hopes that he comes back, Matt Lacoste, Lance Kendricks, who they just signed, Steven Anderson, Ben Watson, he's suspended for four games, but he's there. Just not a lot of upside plays in that offense at tight end. The Cowboys tight ends, Jason Witten, he's a part-time player. 
And his return is really just going to block Blake Jarwin from potentially being fantasy relevant this season. The Bengals tight ends, people want to believe Tyler Eifert's going to stay healthy. I don't see it. And CJ Uzoma didn't produce much when he got starts last season. The Seahawks tight ends, run first offense, limited talent at tight end. No thank you. And the Bills tight ends also make the list. Tyler Croft broke his foot. He's not a guarantee to return for the start of the year. Should be back eventually at some point early in the season, though. And the rookie Dawson Knox is a really raw prospect. Won't see enough targets to enter the fantasy discussion there. That's all for today's show. Go check out the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit. It should be part of your daily routine. It's updated every single day with new content, including those projections posts that I talked about. You can even treat them like mini recaps since I discuss all the fantasy relevant starters and backups on each team. Good refreshers as training camp gets going. And make sure you're subscribed to the alerts from the NFL Fantasy News section on the Score app. That's the section where you're going to find all my fantasy content all year long. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Justin Boone. Big thanks again to Darren Armani and the FFPC for running the Pros versus Joes contest. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby. Said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. Said leave on time.